be still now child Jeremy, we are really amped to have you on the Disciple Dilemma podcast. Thank you for coming and hanging with us today. So glad to be here. Really thrilled. And Raymond, as always, it's it's a delight to have you here to untangle all the mess I make. (laughs) It'll be fun. Would you tell us a little bit of your story, just as the journey of a guy becoming a believer, a disciple, and the songwriter that you are? Well, I, uh, I grew up most of my life in Pennsylvania. And I moved to Nashville to go to college here at Belmont University to study music. And um, I am the oldest of uh, four boys and the only musician of the crew. My, all my other brothers have normal jobs. Um, and uh, I come from very practical people. My, my dad's a doctor. My mom is a uh, physical therapist. And um, when I was young, I always resonated with music. And, um, you know, just as from as long as I can remember. And I, I knew when I was a young guy that I wanted to, to make music. Um, and so uh, in high school, I was playing guitar, you know, all that kind of stuff. What's the doctor saying about this all this time? They, they supported it. Yeah, they supported it. Um, and uh, I didn't have a clue as to what, you know, how I would do any of this. But I kind of clued in or kind of became hip to all this music that was coming from Nashville, Tennessee. And mm-hmm. uh particularly artists like Rich Mullins and uh, Phil Keggy in the Christian world. Um, and I, I wanted to go to where that was coming from. And, um, and so college was a good reason to be here. And so I, I, I came here in 1996 and um, I transferred here from Purdue university. I spent a year in Indiana before I came here and I, uh, and I knew, you know, this was for me to, to be here. So I moved to, t- to Nashville and I've been here ever since. Um, a lot of my friends in college, you know, are everybody there at Belmont for the most part were musicians who had the same ambitions that I did. They wanted to come here and make music and learn how to, you know, learn how to live a life of, of creating music and, um, and playing music. And, uh, this is a great place to do that from Nashville is a very accessible town. And um, especially when I came, uh, it's a lot bigger now, but um, really tight knit community, especially within the church. And so I got involved in RUF uh, reform university fellowship in college, which really changed my life. I was already a Christian as a young, younger guy. But um, when I got into college and started to get involved with RUF, it really put, um, you know, flesh on the skeleton of my faith. I started to understand theology and just this, you know, sneaky, beautiful stuff started happening in my heart where I, I, um, I just couldn't get enough of, of what we were singing in these songs. And it was really the gospel that we were singing. So when I got out of college, I started a career as an independent artist, writing my own music and recording albums playing at churches, at concerts and churches and colleges all over the U.S. and a little bit here and there in Europe and over to Germany and Ireland and uh, love, love doing that. And um, I was mentored for a season by Phil Keggy, who's become a really close friend. And um, in more recent years, spent a good amount of time learning from Michael Card. And so I've had a, a really amazing run 
<laughs> I've been at this for 23 years. So I have about seven studio albums and a couple of EPs out that I've released of my own music. And I've been involved with several other collaborative projects around Indelible Grace and, and hymnody, uh, you know, concerned about uh, Christian worship, congregational worship. So that's a little bit of my journey. You've got Michael Card and Phil Keggy as mentors. Were they personal and in your life guys or just drop by for a 15 minute lesson and get out of my face? I mean, what was that like? Well, it's mostly Keggy. He, he's been so good to me. Um, you know, I, I, I straight up asked him the first time I met him, if he would mentor me, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't, whatever possessed me to, and he said, sure. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and then Michael, um, Michael Card is, sheesh, man, that guy is, uh, an amazing human being. Um, so that was more in the last like six, seven years that I've been spending time with him. Um, but yeah, it's personal friendships. Uh, especially as I've gotten older, Keggy and I are really close, close friends. I love it. But when I was younger, you know, he was kind of like an older brother to me, like teaching me things. And I was with him after 9-11 uh, when that happened. And the very first concert that we played, I was opening for him at the time. and you know, I was with him on September 14th, the first concert he played after 9-11. It was just amazing thing to watch him minister to an audience with music and lead them through grief. Um, so yeah, it, it's kind of hard to separate the personal from the the learning because these guys are also relational. So, so you've got the technical, you've got the personal yeah. and you guys know each other well enough where you can kind of uh, look in each other's eyes and knows what what's going on in your lives. It sounds like Phil and I, yeah. Um, and th those kind of relationships are huge for me. I mean, I, I wouldn't be who I am without them. There's no question. And I treasure, treasure those guys. Um, Kevin Twitt's another guy that I'm really close with who really impacted me, the pastor at, um, at Belmont RUF, you know, so those guys are still in my life. I, one of the things that Dennis and I've talked about a good bit is the Great Commission is normally translated, go make disciples. And we make it about evangelism rather than about personal relationships. But the text really is go discipling. And we're all disciples. None of us are supposed to be rabbis. <laughs> we're all disciples. And so discipling really means, in my understanding, what you do with Phil Kagey is just have a deep personal relationship with a fellow believer and you're on your journey together and you're learning from each other and supporting each other. When I was younger, I came to faith. Um, my family are Christians. My parents are. So I grew up in the church, but I really came to faith um, at, a, at a summer camp in Pennsylvania called um, Summer's Best Two Weeks. And that was a place where I went every summer for two weeks from the time I was eight to the time I was 23, 24, every summer I'd go there. Yeah. So uh, a lot of those relationships were key for me. And, um, you know, the Lord definitely provided, uh, you know, men and women in my life that, that really poured into me as a young guy who really encouraged me in my music, who, who spoke into my gifts and, and said, no, like, you're good at this. You should continue this. And, you know, um, come play. I had friends that owned a coffee shop in, in, in Pennsylvania where I lived and they, they said, come play in our coffee shop, you know? And I, 
I didn't have any original songs, so I just played Eric Clapton songs, you know, 16, you know. Um. You're the lover of my soul. People like that, foundational uh, folks. And, I'm like uh, a and I hope I can be that, you know, for other other artists um i've got a guy i'm mentoring right now and he's younger he's in his early 20s and you know it's hard for me to think of myself as having much to pour into him you know but uh but it's happening it's good you know and it's a relationship you have students that you taught or were you always primarily a performer and a uh, composer yeah primarily performing and composing i but I'm a terrible guitar teacher. You can ask my son who I taught how to play guitar. He, you know, he's like, dad, I, you teach me something. And then like five minutes later, you're, you know, done talking to me about it. I'm like, well, I, you have to go practice what I showed you how to do, you know? So yeah, definitely not, definitely not a teacher as much with music, but uh, yeah, performing. And, and what that looked like, honestly, was I was playing coffee houses and uh, church concerts and, um, I was writing songs by that point. So I would just share my songs and stories and, um, you know, you just kind of grow up in that, trying to learn how to connect with people's hearts with your songs. And, and you know, when, when you're 23 years old or whatever, you don't need anything really. And so I was an artist very much first, then I became somewhat of a businessman in the sense of running all that stuff. But um, everything I do, everything I do is relational hyper relational and i love that really what we're here for we have god's love to give away to other people and so the whole discipling project is really that engagement with people that you're saying right. is so key what's it like as a young person coming up in the industry when you came up and what's it like yeah. today when i came up it was a big industry it was uh you, you had a way to kind of get involved on a formal level by getting a record deal and getting signed, getting noticed, growing your name and your, you know, attention and all that kind of stuff so that people would listen to your music and buy your stuff and all that kind of stuff. And all that filtered down to other relationships like management relationships and hmm. publishing relationships and promotion relationships, marketing, all that stuff, all very important things for business. And at the time, uh, when I started in this world, it was uh, Christian music was a, a huge industry. Um, and um, as the music industry started to tank, the broader music industry started to tank in the early 2000s because of digital uh, distribution like iTunes and iPods and MP3s and things like that. Um, Christian music was still making quite a lot of money. And so these businesses were really interested in you know, music businesses were really focusing on that genre um, because it was still a moneymaker. And of course, eventually that went away. <laughs> but um, so that was right around the time I came on board. And uh, I actually got signed to a record deal. Um, and uh, they, we put out, we did a record together. Um, it was about to come out. And then before it came out, uh, the, the record label went out of business. And so I, um, I was on my own again. 
Now, this is an industry where they take your copyrights away from you as you sign the label. Is that generally the way well, that it works? it depends on the deal, right? So if you have a good attorney, no. Thankfully, I had a good attorney. They own the masters of those recordings, So, but I own the songs, so wow. I can re-record those songs. And But it took me a while to get out of that agreement because, um, you know, when a company is sinking down to the ground in, in the music business, uh, they're not necessarily thinking about how, how well they're treating their artists. They're more that just trying to keep the lights on, you know? Yeah. And so meanwhile, there's artists waiting in the wings over here, all these small businesses essentially that are tied into this sinking ship. And so I had to go through somewhat of a process to get out of that. And I did get out of it. And when I did, I just realized, you know, um, I just really want to sing and play music that is going to bless people. I don't really have, like, I don't really need a record deal um, to do that. And so when I first got here, it was, I was pretty distracted, but I was young. I was very young. And if you think that success means this one way of doing things, then that can be a really, and was a really narrow kind of path or a, a, a pretty pretty stifling experience to, to go through that. Um, but when I got out of that and I realized all the different ways that you can, you can touch people's hearts with music and make a living at it. Um, I just dove right back into it. And I've been doing it that ever since. Um, and interestingly, not too long after that time, 2006, 2007 on into like 2010, the music industry is completely different. It's the wild West. It's, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. There are no rules. There is no, there is no business, you know, model anymore. Um, and I think that's very good. It's very decentralized. Um, sometimes not the best way, but, but, but the, the positives far outweigh the negatives, particularly for serving the church. Yeah. If I'm uh, a young person coming into the industry today, what kind of really difficult temptations and challenges as a believer, face me as a disciple heading in to this industry, and then and then how all of this together serves the church um, as a as a broader yeah. context. Well, I think the temptation is still the same as it was for me when I was much younger, which was in this in this work in this field, which was that you you, it, you it's very easy to believe that it's about you. It's so me kind of shake my bacon and be cool and you know impress them. It's about me. Um, it isn't about you. It's, it's actually about them. It's always going to be about them. If you're going to be successful, success is serving, um, and loving people really, really well. In my case, with your music, with your songs, with your lyrics, with your stories, with the way you play your instrument, with the equipment you use to make yourself sound really good so that people go, Oh, you know, you're speaking to me. I mean, all of that is service. And so it's about them. It's not about you. Um, and the successful artists that I admired coming up, you know, uh, the thing they all had in common was they were so interested in you. And, um, and I love that. Okay. Say that one again. The, the, the successful artists that I admired coming up, that the, the common theme amongst all of them, is that they were and are interested in you. They're, they're not really interested in themselves. That is why their music is so powerful.
There's nothing cliche about you and me. One danger in this is the brand is me and I am God and the technology makes me even more powerful and everything is really wonderful. And the other side of it is something I hear Raymond bring up a lot. And I think his emphasis is good here. And you're making that same point, which is in all we do give our excellence to the Lord to provide for these people, our, our very, very best. Isn't that the way you traffic with that Raymond? Uh, We're supposed to do all for the glory of God. We weren't really just here to, as part of a pyramid scheme of evangelism so that everybody hears the gospel at some point. What I do is really important. So in my life, figuring out how to make high-performance deals um, that can do things that we couldn't imagine a few years ago is really an exciting task. And it engages me mentally and emotionally, and I'm excited about doing it. And, um, and I, I build relationships with other people who are believers and who are not believers. And I'm able to share uh, Christ with both believers and non-believers in a way that really is engaging. And it sounds like yeah. Jeffrey, that you have the same sort of model in terms of your relational approach, that you're, you're going to engage everybody that you come across. So discipling is not an activity you put on Wednesday afternoon at four o'clock for an hour. It's the way you engage with people every day. We have run into over the years, some people who the ministry was really about them and the brand and the market share growth. And um, you're just going to have to live with this for a second, Jeremy. I really enjoyed our phone conversation a couple months ago where you just started talking to me about your aim and your objective and your passion is to honor Christ by serving people. And when I heard you say that, I didn't feel like I was talking to a musician who was looking for market share and brand identity. I felt like I was talking to a believer who has this, this, this um, talent, this calling to go forward. How have your friends you. who have struggled with this lost the bead on that? As a disciple, what's your thought about mm. the day-to-day and the long-term in this that's kept you focused a bit where some of your friends have struggled with this, if I understand what you've talked about in the past? Yeah, Um well, I think it comes to your definition of success. Um, I have a friend at, at Vanderbilt uh, who teaches at the uh, Divinity School, and um, his name is Paul Paul Lim. He's amazing, and um, he uh, he's a you know he's a professor, <laughs> brilliant brilliant guy. He's written you know a lot of very important books in his field, and we we met for coffee. And we were just talking about what we were what we were working on. We we got together because we were in a small group Bible study for a while, and um, I was trying to get him into this band while we were talking. And he said, "Well, let's just have coffee this week." So we did, <laughs> and it wasn't like ten minutes into talking to him where I was thinking to myself, "Like, why did he want to talk to me? Like, this guy lives in another <laughs> world of like." <laughs> and we were talking about uh, writing because he was working on a book and. And then we started talking about what does success look like, right? 
And, uh, and he said for, he's like, for you, what does success look like for, for you? You know? And I was kind of surprised when I said it, but I, I, the first thing I said, well, it's just obedience. You know, I think it's obedience. Um, so success looks like obedience. I think that when you lose the, the beat of that, um, things start to, uh, go off track. And if you're out of community, if you're out of, uh, fellowship with other people, if you're, if you think you are the guy, you are the brand and there's nobody speaking into your thing. First of all, you're not a brand, you're a person. <laughs> it's like, you know, I mean, all this stuff is helpful, but it, it doesn't really lead to anywhere good if it's an ultimate thing for you to be a brand and to control the messaging and all that stuff. But I think it's just about obedience. And I think you have to really be careful that you're not uh, flying solo out there, you know, that you're connected to others. And, um, and I don't think you would say that obedience is the journey to moral perfection. We're not supposed to become Jesus, but obedience would be using your gifts to show the love of Christ to others. Yeah, faithfulness, is, right. Yeah, faithfulness. I, I like that because I think uh, we too frequently have not also included fruitfulness, which is just as core to the gospel message as faithfulness. So we get obsessed sort of with uh, the forensic or legal view that I'm supposed to not do, not be morally imperfect instead of realizing God's given me a lot of gifts and assets. And I'm supposed to use those in a productive way to advance the kingdom of God by showing his love to other people. Here's the thing for me. I, um, 2013, August 7th of 2013, I had an experience as a Presbyterian guy that Presbyterians don't typically have. Uh, that's a joke, but, um, where I was, I, I was, uh, in a really terrible time in my life and the Holy spirit ministered to me in a really powerful way. And I've never been the same person since that night. And mm. I think that, you know, connected to the comments we were just talking about two minutes ago about being interested in other people. It's not about you. It's about other people. I mean, that's coming from your heart. And if your heart is, uh, if you're guarding your heart, if your heart is uh, meeting regularly with Jesus, I don't know how else to put it. Um, stuff that's not from you is just going to flow out of that. And um, I think the more I can get out of the way, the better. <laughs> and uh, But you know what I was just today? I was um, shopping, um, talking to a friend of mine on the phone. While I was running some errands and I was just thinking with him, we were talking about how Man, Jesus has done everything for us. It's kind of easy. It's not easy, but it is easy. His yoke is easy. And if we just let him have his way with us, beautiful things, I think, happen, you know. But I fought that for years and years and years. And because I thought, well, I had to have my say, and I got to, you know, actualize myself, getting back to earlier comments and all this kind of stuff. No, I, I, I am loved by God. I'm loved by Jesus. And he, he just, he wants to use me to do something cool to bless other people. And, um, but he doesn't force his way in, you know, I can move out of the way and let that happen. So, you know, I, I don't have it down pat, but I think it's in your heart and to flow out of your heart that is, uh, coming from just letting the Lord, um, have your life uh, in a daily sense. I think there's just a lot to be said for that. But.